There will be, inshallah, you can have chai afterwards as well, inshallah. Second time as well, inshallah. Um, Al-Ustan Sheikh spoke about uh, questions, the quiz, the homework questions. They will be sent out by email, inshallah. Okay, so you will see a link. So, inshallah, we will be good students. And it will not be always as easy as this one. <laughs> I will not repeat what she said. <laughs> the other one is, so next week we will have classes. So please do come. Then after that there will be a break. So do turn up. It will be an easy, easy questions, don't worry. Okay. We would like to apologize because of the upstairs, downstairs. We said to everyone to go upstairs because of the mail. But thank you for cooperating with us. On that note, uh, could we also recite Surah Fatiha for the uh, for Marhum Zahid R. R. Jafar, who passed away today, who passed away and was buried today. Let's recite some of the Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah al-Aliyyil Azim. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Sallallahu ala Sayyidina Nabiyyina Abil Qasim al-Mustafa Muhammad Wa alihi al-Tayyibin al-Tahirin Lasiyya ma baqiyatillah al-Aradin Fajalallahu ta'ala farajahu al-Sharif Fajalana min a'amanihi wa ansarih Allahumma akhrijni min dhulumat al-Wahm Lakrimi yunum al-Fah اللهم افتح علينا أبواب رحمتك وانشر علينا خزايا ونعلمك برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين. After talking about the significance of divine justice and the way it shapes our personal and social life. Now there is a discussion in the book about the problem of evil. In many books, they discuss the problems that exist in the world and they want to see whether this can be used as an argument against God. If you take any textbook or any handbook on philosophy of religion, you see they have lots of discussions about the issue of evil in the world. And there is no argument against the existence of God. The 
only thing that they have is that they have difficulty in understanding how we can believe in God and still have these problems. No one has ever been able to argue against the existence of God. Just they have difficulty in understanding how God can be there with the characteristics that we believe and still we have problems. In order to, inshallah, study this issue properly, let us first see what problems they refer to, what contradiction they find in the existence of these problems and belief in God, and then we would give our answer. They say there are two types of problems in the world. One is moral and one is natural. Moral problems in the world, like corruption, like war, killing, murder, there are lots of mischief happening in the world. And as a result, many people suffer. A war happens, a war breaks out, and then hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of people are killed. But even those who are not killed, their life can be totally you know, disturbed, it can become upside down. There are people who lose their family members, there are people who lose their houses, there are people who lose their job, there are people who lose their country. So many, many problems happen to the people who are innocent. Or there is a tyrant ruler who doesn't have any regard for rights of people, for prosperity of people. There are people who misappropriate money of nation. So there are lots of problems. There are also natural problems, like natural catastrophes. Earthquakes happen, floods can happen, drought can happen. And these problems also affect many people, even innocent people, even children. It's not that when earthquake happens, only criminals get affected. Innocent people get affected. Ill people, ch children, old people, all get affected. So they said there are such problems in the world. Problems that are caused by human beings and problems which are caused by the law of the nature. And in both cases, this raised a great concern. Why? Because how we can believe in God who is knowing it, is aware of everything, who is omnipotent, so he has all the power, he is benevolent, and still he doesn't stop these problems. They say there is a contradiction here. If God exists, and God has all the knowledge, so he knows these problems, and he should know how to stop them. And he has all the power, he cannot say, I don't have enough power. And he is benevolent. And still these problems happen. So they say there is a contradiction. Either you should deny these problems, which you cannot. Or you have to deny the power of God and say, God is not able to stop them. Which means that it's not the God that you accept. You deny the knowledge of God, you say, God doesn't know 
or God does not know how to stop, this is not possible. You say God is not benevolent, God does not wish good, this is not possible. So there is a contradiction. And because we cannot deny this problem, so we can only deny the image of God that you have. So there must be either no God, or if there is God, God is not all capable, all knowledgeable and benevolent. This is the way they argue. What is our response? Are you ready for response? Maybe you are not in need of response because you know the answer, but just to review. Please say salawat. First of all, the only way someone can use these problems as a basis for attacking God's knowledge and power and benevolence or if you want to take it further to, to attack God's justice and wisdom the only way to use this is to be able to claim to be able to claim that I have complete knowledge of the world and I know that nothing greater comes out of these problems. You know, if imagine if someone is looking at, for example, human body and doesn't understand why we have eyebrow, he says, This is useless. Why God gave us this? You see? You don't know. Can you claim that you know everything about human being? And then you say there is no benefit in this? Now scientists tell us there are lots of benefits. Even in the things that, you know, we may think are not necessary, there are lots of benefits in them. Someone looks at a painting, a design of a, for example, house. And he says, the architect has made a mistake. He shouldn't have put, for example, a staircase here. We say, can you be sure? Maybe it's a good question. You can you have all the right to ask questions, but you cannot say he made mistake because maybe there are many things in the mind of the architect that you don't know. Maybe there was a reason that he had to put the staircase here. You can ask questions, but you cannot condemn. Sometimes people have very limited scope. For example, imagine if someone make, is making in the most expensive area in London a big, for example, building, like a hotel, like or, you know, a college, and there are public washrooms there. Imagine if someone is just shown the map for the public washrooms, nothing else. He says there is a project to make these public washrooms and this is the plan. Where? In the most expensive area of London. He says, are you mad? You are making public washrooms in the most expensive area of London? You can make it another place. He say, don't rush in judging. We are not just making this washroom, we are making something bigger and this washroom is needed because we have a bigger plan. But if someone didn't know about this and was rushing, says, you know, you are making a terrible mistake. 
you are investing in the wrong place. So, no one can deny the wisdom of God in his planning and running of the world because no one can say, I know everything about the world. Anyone who says, I know everything about the world, we ask him, you don't know even enough about yourself. You don't know even enough about your family, let alone about the whole world. No scientist has ever claimed, no professor has ever claimed that I know everything about the world. Yes, people who are very ignorant, they may say we know everything, but everyone would laugh at them. So, my question is this. If anyone is in a position to say, I know everything about the world, and still I say God has some problems in his planning, then we say, okay, let's discuss. But first you have to prove that you know everything about the world. So, no one can claim this. Therefore, there is no reason that we should give up our idea about God when we have proved already that God exists and we have proved his qualities. We can be asking God questions. No problem. And God is not, you know, displeased if you ask questions for understanding. But you cannot say, God, I don't accept what you do because I have no enough information. You had to tell me exactly everything. You had to give me all the you know, information. God says, how much capacity you have? Who you are to know everything? You can ask me questions. But don't expect me to check everything with you and keep all the information to you. This doesn't make sense. So, first of all, we have to clarify this issue. No one is in a position to deny, to disprove wisdom of God, to disprove the benevolence of God, first. Second, no one has any right over God to claim. No one has any right over God. Sometimes I use this example. If someone comes to the room right now and says, I want to give some gifts to some people. So he gives to some people gifts and to some people he doesn't give gifts. Can we question him? If someone comes and just arbitrarily gives to some people gifts and to some people he doesn't give gifts, we cannot question him. We say, you are Zalim. He said, this is my money. I want to give to some people. I look at people, whoever I like, I give him gift. We cannot question his justice. Or he says, for example, to those who I give gifts, I give different gifts. To someone I give a book, to someone I give a sandwich, to someone I give money. We cannot question his justice. Yes, we can ask him something. We cannot say you are Zalim, but we can ask him, if you are a wise person, there must be a reason why you gave someone something and others you didn't give them anything. Then you gave different things to the people that you give them. There must be a reason. Could you explain to me? I know you are a wise person. So it's not a question of justice. You cannot say you are Zalim. No, you can say, what is wisdom? Because I know everything that a wise person does has a reason. 
So the same is with God. If someone is given children and someone is not given children, he cannot say, God is Zalem because he didn't give me children. God doesn't owe anyone anything. If someone is, I don't know, more intelligent than others, if someone is richer than others, if someone uh, you know, has a longer life than others, there is no way to question justice of God because no one has any right over God. God is giving us just gifts. We can say to God, Oh Allah, I know that for every little thing that you do, you have a purpose. For every little thing that you do, you have a reason. I know that you don't treat equals unequally. I know that you don't treat unequals equally. So could you share with me the wisdom behind this? Why some people have children? Why some people have no children? Could you please share with me some of your wisdom? Okay, this is a good question. But for sure, the person who asks this question would not expect he understands everything. And he would not expect that God gives him the answer right away. God says, okay, go to Jose, study 30, 40 years. <laughs> then maybe you understand some of my wisdom. Even those who spend all their life in learning, they cannot you know, say that we know all the wisdom of God. Even the prophets cannot claim that they know everything about God's plan. Even Rasulullah is asked to say, Rabbi Zedni Ilman. Even the angels say, Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana. May you be glorified. We don't have any knowledge except what you have taught us. So who is there to say, I know everything about wisdom of God? But still it's good. Just, you can start learning. You can humbly ask God, you know, please share with me some of your wisdom. Like a child who is just going to primary school and ask his, for example, father who runs one of the most successful businesses in the world, why you do this? Why you do this? How can this father explain everything to the child? But he doesn't want also to break the heart of the child. So he tells him something, but he cannot explain everything to a child. If a person who has not studied medicine asks the doctor, why you prescribe this medicine and not that medicine? Why this, for example, number of tablets, not that, what this dosage and not, how can you explain everything to a person who has not studied medicine? And you cannot, you know, start, you know, teaching him six years, I don't know, seven years of medicine, just right on the spot. So, we can ask questions, not about justice, because we said no one has any right over that, about wisdom, but this is a very humble question, it's a process of learning. You should start learning, and you can understand part of the wisdom of God. But, there is something general about God's wisdom and God's plan, that he has told us and that we hope that everyone will be able to understand and that is God has not created this world as a perfect world that was not the plan of God for creation of this material physical world who told you that God wanted to create perfect world if you want perfect world, 
Inshallah, you should go to heaven. In heaven, everything is perfect. In heaven, you would not have a careless driver who would hit you. In heaven, if the mother smokes, of course, this doesn't happen, I'm saying, you don't have such a case that mother smokes when she's pregnant and the child suffers. No one would suffer from any bad action of any other person because everyone is doing just good and also people are saved from bad coming from others, neither from environment nor from other people. In heaven, you only receive good. In heaven, only you would see good. But dunya is not supposed to be perfect. Actually, God tells us that he didn't want the world to be perfect for two reasons. One is because it's impossible. The world which is run by laws and regulations of physics cannot be perfect because there are lots of interactions. If someone is careless, it affects you. If someone is immoral, it affects you. There are limitations. If we have a river, we cannot all make our houses facing river. There would be shortage. If there is fire for cooking, there is also fire for burning your house. This is the nature of the world. So this world is not the world which can be perfect, but also we don't want a perfect world because the purpose for having this world is to be tested. And you cannot be tested in perfect scenario. You cannot be tested in heaven. You cannot train commandos in five-star hotels. If you want to train commandos, you have to take them to the forest. You have to expose them to wild animals. You have to deny them food and see who is determined and who is able to remain persistent. God says, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كَبَرْ We made man in difficulties because this is the purpose. You are not to, coming to this world you know, just to be pampered. You have come to this world to be going through challenges. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to Adam, Allah nabina wa alihi wa salam, be careful, do not go out of this garden because if you go out, you would suffer. This world is a place of suffering, but in suffering you can learn. In suffering you can make progress. If you want to go to Olympics and get medals, gold or silver or bronze, you cannot just, you know, relax and enjoy yourself and when the time of the competition comes, you know, say, I want going to get medal. You have to work hard for years so that you can have any chance of success. So we don't want a perfect world, not only because it's not possible, because it doesn't serve our purpose. We are tested through losses. Sometimes you lose your relatives. Then how you are going to react? You may become orphan. How are you going to act? You may lose your children. How are you, are you going to react? You may become ill. You may lose your money. You may lose your job. All these are different lessons that if you learn them properly, you can upgrade yourself. You are going to be tested and tried. You may be tested by fear. 
You may be tested by losing your children, your fruits of life, the life of your dear one, by losing your money. But if someone is able to go through all these challenges and come out with patience, then give them the good news that they have succeeded, they have passed all the tests. And this is general test. For awliyaullah, they have additional tests. We all go through tests. You know, sometimes you think, Oh Allah, why in our community I am tested more than other people? Why everyone is okay? I have problem with my health. I have problem with my children. I have problem with money. Not knowing that everyone has his or her own problems. First of all, don't think you are an exception. People have problems, but we may not know. We think they don't have any problems. The people that you think have no problem, if you go to their life, you see they have also problems, sometimes bigger than your problems. One of the people who used to be a, considered as a spiritual teacher in Tehran, he used to say that if people are asked to bring their problems into a plane, imagine we have a big plane, desert, and everyone brings his troubles, his difficulties, sufferings and leaves it there so you would have millions of people bringing their problems there and then they are told okay now you choose which one you want to take you can replace your problems he said everyone will choose exactly the problems that he has when he looks at the other people's problems we say okay i, I want to take mine you know i am used to this <laughs> i don't want to try anything else so when you don't know about other people's problems, you think, oh, they are enjoying their life and you are the only one who suffers. But this is not the case. Everyone is tested. And some people's test still has not maybe come, but it comes. Definitely you are going to be tested. There is no doubt about it. But awliyaullah have additional tests. If you want to become like Ibrahim, it's not just enough to go to illness and poverty and you know mistreatment of people. You have to go to big tests. Look at the test of Ibrahim. You are going to be thrown into fire and you would remain persistent. You are going to be asked to slaughter your son that you have been given after decades of praying hard to Allah to have a child. These are additional tests for awliyaullah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ma uthiya nabiyyun mithla ma uthiyit. No prophet has ever been annoyed like me. He lost his father before his birth. He didn't see his father. He lost his mother very soon. He lost his grandfather very soon. Then he had support of his uncle and his wife. He lost both of them. In very difficult time, he stayed in Sheikh Abitabla for three years. And then all the problems, seeing his companions being tortured, seeing his companions being killed, seeing the properties of Muslims being confiscated, seeing his dear ones have to migrate to Ethiopia, then going to Medina, all the battles, all the worries, munafiqin inside Medina, troublemakers outside Medina. How much this man suffered? Is this because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgot to take care of him? No. 
Allah has a plan for him and for reaching that point that Allah wants for him, he has to go through these challenges. Look at Amirul Mu'min How much Amirul Mu'min suffered from childhood? I don't have time to explain. And then at the age of 10, when Islam started, he was the first person to embrace Islam, but also the first person after Rasulullah to go through all the challenges. He, you know, imagine if you have an advisor who knows all the challenges, all the plots against Islam, and he's just 10 years old. How much pressure comes to you? He has to be giving his life for the Prophet again and again. He has to sleep in the place of the Prophet. He has to be in battles. And he has to see greater problems after the demise of the Prophet. So much so that he says, For 25 years, my situation was like someone in whose eyes there is injury and in throat is a bone. Can you, can you be for 25 years in this condition? No one other than Ali can be in this condition for 25 years and still be silent. Not only silent, even helping them. Seeing what they did with his wife and still be silent or even helping them. So, those who are awliyaullah, those are our friends of God, God has a special plan for them. And for that plan to materialize, they need to go through big tests. There is a beautiful hadith which says, sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his knowledge has a manzila, has a station for his servant. But he is not able to reach that station through his acts of worship. The only way for him to reach that station is through musibah, through suffering. So suffering is a very important part of the plan. I think I am making an out of suffer because of time, so I stop here. Inshallah we continue, inshallah next week. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانًا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ Please, Q&A starts now. If you have a question, please raise your hand.